This message by Bill Kittrell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Bill serves as a senior pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Please turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, the Advent season is a perfect time to sit and listen to the Sermon on the Mount. So we are rejoicing we are there this morning, continuing our series, Matthew chapter 6. This morning we're in verses 25 through 34. We'll begin reading in verse 24 for context. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Verse 25, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore... Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for
for the day is its own trouble. This is God's word. Holy, authoritative, inerrant for us this morning, I believe. The Lord is teaching us, do not distract your heart with sinful cares. Don't let the things of this world turn your mind away from your Father who is in heaven. Never worry again. Since the fall of man into sin, there's always been problems in this life. When man fell, the curse came. So we have to eat our bread by the sweat of our brow. We live in a fallen world. We're not in heaven yet. We're no longer in paradise. We don't just grab the fruit and live a life of ease and enjoyment, comfort. Life in this world has become a task. We have to labor and we meet with trials and troubles and tribulations. Life is difficult. Problems are inevitable. Verse 34, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus did not promise no trouble. In fact, he promises trouble. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Existence is a problem. We all meet and face problems each day. I'm, I'm thankful that the Lord reminds us of that this morning. The great question really is, how am I going to face today's trouble? Because God is my Father. I'm His child. And Jesus says that I'm to face them without worry and without anxiety. Three times in this little section of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, do not be anxious. Recently, the pastoral team went to a pastor's conference at a hotel where there was also a bodybuilding conference going on. It was a very strange mix of people. In one group, Everybody was noticeably muscular. And I mean everybody. They, they, and they wore clothes to make sure you didn't miss any of their muscles. And they had tattoos, right? You know, where the tattoo would make sure your eyes were drawn to their muscles. The other group, attending the pastor's conference, us, Looked spiritual. <laughs> no, no one walked by Mike Pluniak and said, are you with the bodybuilders? I did have a couple people ask me. Uh, no, 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 I'm with the pastors. The pastors had Bibles and books. Their conference Provided great coffee and tea, the perfect candy. The music heard 
coming out of the pastor's conference was doctrinal. It was deep. The, the songs they were singing, we were singing, required you not only to sing, but also to think. The bodybuilders had music. It was physical. The words were indistinguishable. It was very clear the people involved in these conferences were there for different reasons. They have different purposes, different priorities. I walked by a table and heard one of the bodybuilders talking to another guy, and he said, you know, I weighed 212 and a quarter this morning. Obviously, he, he was paying very careful attention to his weight. He's at a conference in Orlando weighing himself every morning and having fellowship with others. The pastors, I'm not thinking Jake Simmons brought a scale with him to the conference. We, we were discussing the messages. They were about zeal and enduring to the end and church planning and the cross of Christ. Jesus says in verse 31, don't be anxious saying what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? The Gentiles seek after these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them. The Gentiles are those who are not citizens in the kingdom of heaven. They haven't been born again by the grace of God. They aren't Jesus' disciples, and they're focused on eating and drinking and, and clothing. They seek after these things. But those in the kingdom, Jesus says, are different. And they seek first, verse 33, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and their Father in heaven cares for them. And he's teaching us this morning, don't distract your heart with sinful cares. When you do, you're worldly, you're materialistic, you're like the religious hypocrites we talked about a few weeks ago. Followers of Christ cast their cares to their Heavenly Father. And that's what this text is about today. Don't be like them. Be different. The Jews were God's chosen people. They had the word of God. They had the special knowledge of God. Others were described as Gentiles. So in that moment when Jesus said Gentiles, he meant those who were not in the kingdom of heaven. They're not God's people. Those in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, when they are worried and anxious about these things of this world, they are living and behaving like those who aren't in the kingdom. He's teaching here the causes and cures of anxiety. You cannot serve God in money, he said in verse 24. And he's continuing to warn his disciples about this worldliness and his main concern is to secure undivided devotion to the Lord. That we seek first the kingdom of heaven. He knows the power of Satan. He knows how frail we are. This, this is the, the good shepherd caring for us this morning. Caring for his sheep. Keeping his sheep. So three times he says, don't be anxious. 
Don't worry. And then he gives us three truths that will cause our faith to grow and cure our anxiety. Number one. Number one, your Father in heaven is the creator and sustainer of your life. Your Father in heaven is the creator and sustaining, sustainer of your life. Verse 25, is not life, she's getting you to think about life, more than food and the body more than clothing. Verse 27, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? This is why you should not worry. Look at your life that you tend to worry about. Where did it come from? How did you get a life? Somebody may say to you, ah, get a life, but you have a life. And the answer is, your, your life is a gift from God. We live in this world and we have our life because God determined we would exist. We don't create life. Men and women do not give being to themselves. None of us ever made the decision. I think I'll come into the world. The fact that we exist is because God decided that we would exist. That's why you're here this morning. It explains your existence. My prayer is the Spirit will make this clear, will illuminate everyone in this room and remind you. God created you. You exist because of Him. It, it gives your life meaning and purpose. An important element and a major difference from a biblical view, important element of the worldview of our culture is that modern science can explain the origin of life, the essence of life. They don't include God or else they minimize his involvement, but they claim to be able to understand and explain the origin of life, the essence of life. Everything can be explained in terms of natural causes, processes. But the fact is, it is all theory. It's a theory that can't be proved. And it's, it's tragic. It's harmful. Because... These theories lack an understanding of something that is revealed in Scripture that is true, that is a fact. Where did life come from? What is the origin of life? There's only one answer. God is the giver of life. The first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you want to get canceled... In the scientific community, long, long before we talked about cancel culture, scientists knew you'd get canceled if you believe Genesis 1-1. I have a book on the theory of evolution that details from a graduate student's perspective 
what happens to you if you come out and say, well, I believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You lose funding. You don't get projects. You don't, you don't get opportunities for research, further study, a good professor, a famous professor. You're done. You're canceled. We've worked with graduate students for years, have to navigate. We have scientists in this room who have to navigate the minefields. In studying this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, one thing struck me more than it ever had before is that we need to understand Jesus is speaking to each of us as individuals. This isn't a general promise to provide. It's a specific promise. It ministered to me. For your specific situation. He's your creator. He's your sustainer. The trouble you face each day. He is the one that gave you life. He's the one that brought you into existence. It's not an accident. God created you for a reason, and he is saying, I will sustain you. And it's comforting. I don't know if you've been following Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, just took a job with Colorado. I like Deion very much. One of the things he said at his press conference, God is pleased with what he has created, me. <laughs> now, that's not the point that I want you to come away with. That's not the point, but he is right that God created him. Which of you, verse 27, by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? I can add a span. I can add to your span. I can add an hour. But no one in here can. Life is in God's hand. That's the point. And, and one application of this would be every day we should thank God for the gift of life. Every day we should thank God for all the gifts that he gives us. He sustains us every day. If we, if we fail to do that, we, we, are, we will fail everywhere. Jesus says, though, in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. Three times he says that. About your whole life. Don't be anxious about anything. What you eat, what you drink, your body, anything. It's a gift from God. He's given it to you. He, he will provide for you. He will sustain you. If he didn't, he would have to deny himself. The creator of the universe. The second truth Jesus teaches us here. That gets at the cause and the cure of anxiety. And worry. Your Father in heaven cares for you, each individual. He cares for you. He cares for me. Jesus says, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. They don't do what you do, but your Father in heaven feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
Look at the birds. You see them every day. But Jesus says, look at them. Consider them. These birds are provided for by your Father in heaven, and you're more valuable than they are. Matthew 10, are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? Staggering. It's clear God sustains the life of all the birds. He feeds them. Consider this. All the worms, all the insects, all the seeds. Think about it. Where does it come from? God. These, these birds don't make provision for themselves. They don't sow and reap. But God looks after them. I, I love birds. I have a feeder right outside our window so we can enjoy them. I buy nice bird food for them. Better bird food than you probably buy for your birds. Because it attracts the best birds and the most birds. I have, I have two sons and several grandkids and, that are birders. And they can identify all the birds. And it's, it's fantastic. It's fascinating. I, I've been with my son birding where he gets online beforehand and you know, finds out all, all the birders talk. There's a whole world out there you don't know about. All these birders, they're online and they say, okay. We, we, we walked out and... Okay, this rock in this river will have this bird. Sure enough, there it is. This rare duck. Turn around, you're walking out. Here come some more birders. They read the same thing. I think it's cheating a bit. A little bit like the steroid era in birding, I think. But sometimes when I'm feeding birds, I run out of food and it takes me a day or two to get to the store for bird seed. Sometimes... I don't want to spend the money on my expensive bird food. Sometimes I think, hey, you know what? My bird feeder's empty, but there's plenty of food out here. You guys go find it. So my, my feeder might go empty for a day or two or a week or two. You know, they'll, they'll be all right. You'll be fine. But we never do that with our kids, do we? We never do that with our grandkids. Imagine if we ran out of food. I mean, even with my grandkids, if I run out of ice cream, man, it's, it's time to panic. Emergency run to the store because they've got a special ice cream sandwich they've got to have. You, you are more valuable than birds. The Lord... His bird feeder never goes empty. <laughs> How much more does he provide for you? What are you worried about this morning? Your heavenly father feeds them. <laughs> Jesus wants us to look at the birds. And remember, God's our father. The birds, how are they doing today? Plenty of food because he provides for them. You're more valuable. John Flavel wrote the book, The Mystery of Providence. If you haven't read it, shame on you. Do not distract your hearts with sinful cares. And it gave me great joy to make that the main point today. Do not distract your hearts with sinful cares. Matthew 6 is about providence. 
Consider the fowls of the air, says Christ. Not, not the fowls at the door, not the chickens that you feed. The fowls of the air that are, not the, not the fowls at the door that are daily fed by hand, but those of the air that know not where to have the next meal. Consider about it. Consider them. That's, think about it. And yet God provides for them. Remember your relationship to Christ and his engagements that are promised to you. And by these things, work your hearts to satisfaction and contentment with all the allotments of providence. Don't distract your hearts with sinful cares. Our Father in heaven sustains the whole world through his providence. Here's the Heidelberg Catechism. Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which he upholds as with his hand heaven and earth and all creatures. That's the providence of God. It's not impersonal. It's not separate from God. That is what providence means. And so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us. Not by chance, but, but from his fatherly hand. Providence is the sure hand of God. He sustains all things, directs all things, plans all things, ordains all things. He works all things after the counsel of his will. Who can stop him when he intends to do something? No, no one. It, it's not an implied truth in Scripture. It's not something, providence is not something you bump into on occasion. You pull some obscure verse out. Oh, okay. This, this doctrine is, as one man said, the soundtrack of Scripture. It's everywhere in Scripture. It is in our text today. You are reading and you are hearing the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, and in the middle of it, he brings our attention to the providence of God. His, his power is almighty. It's ever-present. It's limitless. It's boundless. You live and move and have your being because of him. Jesus wants us to look at nature and learn about life in this world. Things don't just happen in nature. They haven't come into being by accident. He is the creator and he is the sustainer of all things. He provides for the birds. Sermon on the Mount is for Jesus' disciples, followers of Christ, citizens of the kingdom of heaven. It's for you. <laughs> He's teaching you about the kingdom. God is your Father in heaven, and He cares for you. He's not just your Creator. 
Verse 32 says, He knows what you need. That's comforting. When He has promised that all the other things will be added to you. Verse 28, why are you anxious about clothing? He says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed, was not clothed like one of these. But if, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, Tomorrow it's thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He wants us to meditate on the wild flowers. He points us to the created natural world because he made it and he sustains it. Wildflowers are amazing. I, I've been in meadows in what we now call the back country. Where few people go. I, I'm there to fly fish for trout. Not look at flowers. But you have no choice. There are just times in the backcountry. Where you just stop. And you consider. Wow. This is amazing. Nobody planted these. But they're there nobody's even looking at them it's not like a house come over and see my flowers there there are literally acres i've been in places in the backcountry where there are just acres of beautiful and diverse wildflowers and i you know i'm not like a flower guy but i just stop Sherry, my wife Sherry almost got arrested for picking them in Yellowstone one time. That's how pretty they are. She rarely breaks the law. <laughs> the glory of Solomon was proverbial among the people Jesus is preaching to. In all his glory, it was just you want to talk about magnificence. You want to talk about stunning clothing. Talk about Solomon. He's no competition for these flowers. They're alive today, tomorrow thrown into the oven. You're more valuable than that to your Father in heaven. That's his point. Finally, number three, you can, you can trust your Father in heaven to provide everything you need. If, verse 30, if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Your, your answer is yes, O oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do, again, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. We're going to talk about prayer next week, and God in His providence sometimes will allow us to lack so that we'll pray and we'll see His goodness.
but he promises. He already knows what you need. He already knows. He's just, in his wisdom, giving us the privilege to pray. And then he provides. He answers our prayers. And we just say, ain't he good? Oh, you of little faith. This, this is the conclusion. Little faith. Little faith. This is the cause of anxiety and worry. Sinful care. This is the cause. The cure is to consider his faithful care of creation. And then his special promises for you. That's what we're doing in the Sermon on the Mount. Jerry Bridges, I heard him once say, it's easier to obey God than it is to trust God. It's truth. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, oh, you of no faith. He's preaching to disciples. He says, oh, you of little faith. It's not that faith is absent. They wouldn't be citizens of the kingdom of heaven if it was absent. It isn't absent, but it's not sufficient. So he is preaching to us. He's preaching to people with faith. But it's little faith. And he's trying to help encourage our faith. You know, it's it's faith that's limited to salvation. And then after that, it's not being applied to their lives. And so there's worry and fretting and anxiety like the Gentiles, like like those who don't know Christ, like those who haven't come into the kingdom of heaven, who aren't born again. We're culpable, they're not for being anxious. When we're anxious, we're conformed to this world, we're worldly. All my life, I have battled fear, anxiety, worry, sinful, anxious care. Over the years, I've received counsel from many different people. I remember, even as a kid, and I'm an old man, I mean, seeing a child psychologist back when nobody saw a child psychologist in West Virginia, no less. More than once. And I I remember distinctly the psychologist saying to my mom and dad, he's fine, he just has a very vivid imagination. Wow, that was really helpful. Thank you so much. He was right. I've thought about it a lot. I I do. I have a very vivid imagination. I I don't need to watch horror movies. I got one right here, folks. For the most part, worldly counsel has not served me as much. Not that there isn't some. God gives grace, common grace. And there can be helpful counsel that comes from worldly people. That can give insight. He has a very vivid imagination. It's actually helpful to some degree. But... 
that hasn't been as helpful to me for overcoming worry, fear, and anxiety as John Flavel and Jeff Hodgson. I want my faith encouraged. I want a counselor who says, have you forgotten the birds? That's the kind of stuff that has strengthened my faith, that has encouraged my relationship with my Father. That's what Christ is doing in the Sermon on the Mount. It's a primary theme. He wants your relationship with your Heavenly Father to be made strong. And so he says, don't, don't worry about food and clothing and drink. Don't worry about tomorrow, verse 34. Don't worry about the future. That's a big category. Do not be anxious about the future. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't seek after these things. The Gentiles do that. Worry about your relationship with your Father in heaven. Be concerned about that. That's what this message is about. That's what he's saying to us. Lloyd-Jones says, you didn't think we weren't going to quote Lloyd-Jones today, did you? It doesn't matter very much to Satan what form sin takes as long as he succeeds in his ultimate objective. It's immaterial to him whether you're laying up treasures on earth or worrying about earthly things. All he is concerned about is that your mind should be on them and not on God. And this world today is doing everything it can to get us to live like them. And we're fighting back today. Do not distract your hearts with sinful cares. Take it from a man given to anxiety. Come. <laughs> Let me comfort you. This teaching is perfect. It'll strengthen your faith. It will cure your worry. These promises are meant for you. His purposes for you are unchangeable. His, his love for you is a great love. His concern over every detail. Again, that's what stuck out to me as I studied this. These promises are for you as an individual. The trouble you face this week, they're for you. Do not be anxious. Do not distract your hearts with sinful care. Worry about your Heavenly Father. That's what I'm going to be concerned. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Everything else will be added to you. Father, we thank you today for the Sermon on the Mount. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for His coming. During this Advent season, we celebrate the birth of Christ and here we are studying his words as he began his ministry, teaching us to not be anxious. So, Father, we confess our worry, our anxiety, our fear. Forgive us, Lord, for, for living without trusting in your promises. Forgive us for our, our little faith and increase our faith today, I pray. In Jesus' name.
Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Bill Kittrell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.